Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. Stand with me as we look at Genesis chapter 39, the reading of the word of the Lord. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Putiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. For Joseph's sake, the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. No, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his mother's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness? And sin against God. And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day, he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her house, of her household and said to the men, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He come in to me to lie with me, and, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me, and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garments by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that, his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. 
his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with him and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word once more. And may your word be an encouragement to us who are also facing difficult times. May it encourage us that we are not facing it alone, but we are with you. You are with us. And that is everything. Lord, bless preaching of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. One of the I think very unfortunate reality is that many times we would know the value of a person when the person dies. One of the sad things when we are on a wake service is to hear stories of how uh, the people, the loved ones, the loved ones of the dead person would express their sadness for not being able to show their love, for not being able to show, you know, how much they valued the person who died. I experienced that in some sense. When my mother died, I felt like there was in my heart a some sort of regret that the love that I showed her all these years was not enough so I could show how much I valued her. And in a sense, this should, this should remind us that, that we need to be expressive in some way of how much we value the people around us, how much we value our family members or even how much we value each other. I think we need to be able to do that. So in the same way that we do not value the people around us that much many times, we also don't value the presence of God with us many times. The presence of God in the history of the church has been given some sort of importance. In fact, in the liturgy of the church, traditionally, we have that what we call as consecration, where the presider would say, the Lord is with you, and the whole congregation would respond, the Lord be with you. Also, however, we understand that reality in reality we don't value the presence of God that much. 
or maybe we do not understand how valuable the presence of God to our lives. So today we would be looking at the wonder of the presence of God. The wonder of the presence of God because we would never fully fathom, we would never fully understand. Hindi po natin talagang malubusang maintindihan kung gaano po kaimportante ang presensya ng Panginoon. That the Lord is with us in our daily lives. We would never fully understand that. So it's the wonder of the presence of God. As we start, I'd like to start with just for self-examination. I wonder if you have been truly valuing the presence of God. I wonder if one, if not the most important thing, or reality, or truth that you embrace and really celebrate every day is the truth that God is with you. God is with you. So we're now in Genesis 39, and I almost entitled this sermon, What Now? Now what? Joseph had the dream. We know it was very promising. All his brothers will bow down to him. Even his father, his mother would bow down to him. But then he was sold by his brothers to these merchants. And now he was in Egypt, thousands of miles away from home. Thousands of miles from away from home. And if you are Joseph, you might have thought, what, what now? What would happen now? Would those dreams still come true? When I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I knew and I was excited to be able to serve Him. But now, this is where I am. What now? Now, the presence of God, which is the point here in Genesis 39, is the explanation of the dust to power story of Joseph. We know that his story, he was brought there. He was a slave at the start, but he became a prime minister of Egypt. That's a dust to power story. The only explanation to that, in fact, from here to the rest of the book of Genesis, the explanation is the presence of God with him. Presence of God with him. So we understand that somehow Moses front-loaded this one. He puts it here before we get to see these wonderful things that God would do in the life of Joseph. He puts it here so that we might read the rest of the story in light of the fact that that God was with Joseph. It's the clear subject in this chapter. Kung sa iba pong portion ng book of Genesis is we were having a hard time. I was having a hard time trying to see the point of this chapter, trying to see the point of this passage. Genesis 39 is not one of those. Verses 1 to 6 and verses 21 to 23 somehow are synonymous verses. It somehow formed the like they call an inclusion, 
Or in other words, a bookend as the start of the story here in Genesis 39. At, at the end of Genesis 39, um, we, we see that there's, same, there's one and the same emphasis. And that is the presence of God. So that even in between, that, that is verses 17 to 20, you should read it in light of the presence in light of the presence of God. So whether his success in the house of Putiphar or his temptation from the wife of Putiphar or when he was in the presence or in, in prison, the presence of God is the explanation why he was victorious. It was the presence of God. So while we focus many times in our lives, we focus on the result instead of the cause or the root. The root is still more important. In this case, the root is the presence of God. And success flows from it. The favor of God was displayed because of the presence of God with Joseph. So we cannot foolishly Occupy ourselves with success all the time and undermine the value of God's presence. Undermine the value. And, and I think many times we undermine the value of the presence of God. So how important is the presence of God? That's what I want to endeavor to answer today. How important is the presence of God? We're not going to approach this by the progress or development of the story, we will instead look at the whole story at all times, and we will draw three things from the whole story that would show to us how important is the presence of God. First, as we look on the story where Joseph was brought to Egypt, but when he was in uh, the household of Putiphar, he was successful, and then he was tempted by the wife of Putiphar, he was successful in resisting the temptation, and when he was finally in prison, he was successful in the least place that you can call a person successful, but really he was successful in prison. As we look at that story here, we see three things. The presence of God turns unfortunate events into a display of God's favor. That's the first thing that we see. The presence of God turns unfortunate things in our lives into a display of the favor of God. Secondly, the presence of God turns temptations into a display of the power of God. And thirdly, the presence of God turns all things as instrument for the fulfillment of the plan of God. And just by looking at that, we would already understand how important the presence of God. Kung gaano ka-importante yung presensya po ng Panginoon para sa ating mga buhay, sa ating mga pamilya, sa ating mga trabaho, or kung ano man po yung kung saan tayo nilagay po ng Panginoon. So let's look at the first one. The presence of God turns unfortunate things into a display of His favor. People would sometimes say, Kung mamalasin ka nga naman, oh. have, you, have you said it? 
once in your life? Maybe yesterday? Of course, we don't believe on malas. Uh, malas is predicated by the understanding that things are random. Things are random and they are not in the control of a sovereign. I just brought this up because one would say this when several unexpected bad things happen. Right? Several unexpected bad things happen and sometimes you are forced or you are tempted to say Joseph was sold by his brothers. He was sold by his brothers. And think about it when he was in Putifar's wife and probably there was a period of time when he began to be successful in the household of Putifar and now he was the head of the household. He was already good in Egypt but his foggy problem led to the advances of the wife. And his resistance to her his resistance to her has led him into prison. Think about it. You were sold by your brothers, by your own brothers, as a slave. And now everything turns okay already, only to be thrown into prison for a sin that you did not do. And the only sin you, have, you, you did was that you are handsome. Uh, sometimes being handsome for those of you who are. And some, that's not an advantage. It is an, a disadvantage. Now, the point here is explicitly obvious. It's just too obvious to miss. Explicitly obvious. And Moses loved to use repetition. By now, in the book of Genesis, you would have already noticed that Moses just loved to use repetition to communicate his point. In fact, this will go beyond Genesis 39. We would see how Joseph would be brought down, but God would only turn these pits. Ito po yung mga holes na kung saan nailagay si Joseph. God would only turn these pits into the highest display of his grace and mercy. Into the highest display of his power and love into the display of his salvation and deliverances in the life of Joseph. So verses 1 and 6 in, the, in your Bible, in verses 21 to 23, are somewhat synonymous. And I want to point out some similarities of these passages. First, in both of these instances, an injustice happened to Joseph. Joseph was sold by his brothers, which led him to the house of Putifar. That's one. That's verses 1 to 6. And then he was brought to prison because he was wrongly accused of rape. And now we see by the wife of Putifar, now we see verses 21 to 23. Second, verse 2 and verse 21, both clearly explain. No, klarong klarong inexplain po dito yung explanation kung bakit nangyari na nga po ito lahat sa buhay ni Joseph and yet he managed to be successful. Verse 2 says, The Lord was with Joseph. 
and verse 21, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. And if you read that properly there, the next sentences that come along with it, it is called, it is clearly a result of having God with him. The success that he enjoyed. That's why thirdly, the presence of the Lord with Joseph is presented as the cause of the success of Joseph. Verse 39, verse 2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became success, became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. Verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Notice carefully here, the word house in verses 1 to 6 has been repeated, um, if I'm not mistaken, five times to four, uh, I think five times. And then the word prison in verses 21 to 23 has been repeated, I think, three to four times. And that is strategic. It is somehow tells us that this is an odd place to be successful, a very odd place to be successful in the house of the Egyptian master, which means Joseph was a slave. He was actually a slave when he was in Putiphar's wife. And of course, Joseph in prison, he was a prisoner. But the presence of God made success possible at the, pla at the la least place you would expect it to be. The least place. Yet, po doon na maintindihan po natin dito in a very practical way. Na kahit paminsan ay talagang preoccupied tayo sa success instead of the truth that God is with us. The greater blessing is the presence of God with us. Because it makes impossible things possible. Fourth, the favor was seen by Putiphar in verse 3, and it is also seen by the keeper of prison in verse 21, the last part of verse 21, which we make, makes us realize when God is with us and is displaying his favor through us or to us, people would notice it. Fifth similarity. Both Putiphar in verses 4 to 6 and the keeper of prison in verses 22 to 23 put everything under Joseph's care. I mean everything. Both need not concern themselves of anything. They don't have to concern themselves of anything in the household and in prison which just speaks of their trust in Joseph. And of course, Sixth, Joseph was both declared as successful. Verse 2 says that one, and verse 3, last verse 23, he was successful. Now, just a little bit of a balance, maybe as you were listening to me, you were thinking I should be successful in the sense that I would be on top of the corporate ladder, I should be the richest within my neighborhood. Um, that's what we do not, that's, that's not what we mean here. But we might not be successful in the world standard, 
all of our situation, this is my confidence, all of our situation can be an opportunity for God to display His favor. For God to display His presence with us, that we are distinct from other people in whatever way He would want to to display that. I was talking to a Christian brother yesterday. The last time I talked with this um, brother, which I just knew from uh, the gym before the pandemic. And I went to the gym yesterday for, I mean, basketball gym. And I was so happy to see him. I get the time to catch up with him. And he told me everything that had happened to him nitong pandemic. He said, because in their work, it's no work, no policy in their company. Actually, he just got a job. Two years of having no income. Two years. The apartment that that he and his family was living, he was paying around nine thousand per month. But the during the pandemic, the owner increased it to fourteen thousand, and he could not pay it. He has to pay for. He has to continually give. For his mother's dialysis. And of course his children. Or his child. He he only have one child. He still has to pay for the tuition. And on top of that. Of course their daily food. And. Towards the end of our conversation. He told me of how it is clear to him. That he said. We are playing basketball today. It is very clear to me that if not of the favor of God this past two years, I don't know where I would be today. I mean, either success or or unexplainable way of, or unexplainable, or, or how you can ex- survive on things would still make it very clear that the favor of God is working. In our lives. This is what I mean when I said it's not about success per se. It's about God's work in our lives. So it might not be our idea or the world's idea of success, but again, stories like this undeniably display the favor of God. And in one way or another, the presence of God in us would really manifest in ways that makes us distinct. Maybe our joy. In the midst of problems. Maybe our certainty. Itong times of uncertainty. Maybe our contentment. Kahit sa napakaliit ng meron tayo. Maybe our contentment could display. Or God would use it to display His presence in our lives. Or maybe our obedience to Him. Although sometimes obedience doesn't make sense. But. Our obedience to Him can even be a display of God's favor in our lives. The point is, life could be a series of unfortunate events. It can be a series of unfortunate events, but these things will only make it clear that it is not about being in the best circumstance. It is about the presence of God that makes one flourish even in the most difficult of situations. 
It's about the presence of God that would make us flourish in whatever situation God placed us. This reminds us of Psalm 1. We will be like a tree planted in streams of water, which bears its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. After losing his privileged position again as head of Putiphar's household, one might think that's it for Joseph. For kung sa atin po parang naubusan na po ito ng suerte si Joseph. But this story makes it undeniably clear that a Christian can go a series of unfortunate events, but the presence of God again will turn, only turn the situations into the display of His favor. The obvious implication is that we cannot occupy ourselves with success or be weighed down by our problems. And undermine the reality, undermine the reality that God is with us. We can undermine it. Para bang hindi po mahalaga yon, or para bang wala namang ginagawa yon sa buhay natin, lalo na po tayo na uh, very, kumbaga, nakakarelate tayo sa nahahawakan natin, nakakain natin, nai-enjoy natin. Gusto natin yung mga bagay niyon. And sometimes because we could not touch the presence of God, we don't value it. But we have to. We have to value the presence of God. In the story, Joseph did not concern himself with his situation. And I like, I love the fact that we do not read of Joseph anxious of how to get himself out of the situation. I mean, to be honest, if I think about it, maybe Joseph was really, there was really a lot of times that Joseph fought hard. But why did Moses, why didn't Moses put it here? Because in the theology of Moses, when you have God with you, the God who is a God of providence, We cannot be weighed down by our situation. In fact, the only thing that Joseph, have you noticed it? The only thing that Joseph concerned himself, at least we are told, is how we can honor God. How we can say no to the temptation before him, which speaks a lot. That if we have the presence of God, the most important thing is that we obey Him, we honor Him, our lives will be honoring to Him, our lives will be glorifying to Him. Because having God with us is more than enough. Secondly, the presence of God turns temptation into a display of His power. Let's look at verse 6b down to verse 12. It reads, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Sarah, by the way, and Rebecca and Rachel were also described, described as such. This is a lovely family uh, composed of 
beautiful and handsome family members. It's just translated handsome here because it was applied to a man. Pero this is the same word that, for example, Genesis 29 verse 17 that described Rachel. Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Same. Verse 7. After a time, his master's wife cast. That word cast means he looked with, with lust. He was lusting over Joseph. And said, lie with me. Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. She is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except from you, because you are, my you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? We'll go back to that later on, verse 10. Notice, as she spoke to Joseph day after day. This is not a one-time temptation. This is obsession. This is obsession. Day after day, he would come to Joseph and say, lie with me. And day after day, Joseph would say, would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Verse 11. But one day, that opportune day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, I was really thinking about it. Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow Joseph to go to work with none of those men? Why are you putting Joseph into this situation? Is this an opportune time for the wife of Putifar to finally execute what he always want, what she always wanted? Or is this an opportune time that God allowed so he might display his power in the life of Joseph? Verse 12. She caught him by his garment saying, this is desperation. Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Men here, you would have to agree with me. This is remarkable. This is not something you can just say and think, I would also do that. This is remarkable. What would explain such remarkable display of strength where man is generally weak? Where man is generally weak. You were in the house alone and a woman is taking advantage of you. And this is, by the way, especially remarkable, no? Dahil po, most of the slaves at the time could not resist what they called as imperial power. Meaning to say, for the wife of Putipar somewhat belonged to the aristocrats, the rich, and the powerful. Where it was expected that she would get what she wanted, especially from slaves. 
It was not hard like like today. It's not. It's hard to resist when the one who's asking you is a man of power, is a woman of power. How many of us have given in to temptation because we cannot say no to the manager, we cannot say no to the president of the company, we cannot say no to mayor so and so, and we just let go of all our righteousness because who can say no to this person? And she is, by the way, as one who has a beastly kind of lust. The words lie with me in verse 7, I think 11 and verse 12 were never used for marriage in the whole of the Old Testament. Never used to mean couples saying to one another, lie with me. It is always used to show one's craving for sex outside of marriage. One commentator wrote, she is a slave to her lust for her husband's slave. According, of course, to verse 10, she did this one day after day. This is madness. This is obsession. This is a brutish lust. So why didn't Joseph say, or just a side by you might think, why didn't Joseph, Pastor, say to Putifar, do you know that your wife is always asking to lie with me? I mean, that would have been wise Joseph. But Joseph knew exactly. He was a slave. And when, it, when word of a person against another person's word, you are a slave and you're talking about the wife of the master, it is automatic that the master will believe the wife. Which, later on, makikita po natin that the Putifar believes the words of his wife. Any man would have fallen into these continuous temptations from the wife of Putifar. How did Joseph resist this day after day? How could he just leave his garment, flee and got out of the house when there was no one around in the house, when he could have easily thought, he could have easily justified, he could have easily reasoned out. Anyway, no one would know. And besides, I have been working in my master's house and my master is not really, you know, and, and he is, sorry, he is a hard master. Why don't you just enjoy this little pleasure? Remember, the wife of Putifar even grabbed his garments. We are not told if he has an inner garment. Maybe, most likely. But he could have run naked. Now, I love this because what we are about to see is consistent in the scripture that it is our gratefulness to God's gracious goodness. It is our gratefulness, it is our gratitude to God's gracious goodness that would serve as our strength against temptations. Look at verse 8 with me. And this explains everything. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Actually, he kept on refusing. Behold, because of me, 
My master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. She is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Notice the tone of gratitude in those words. Notice the tone of gratefulness from Joseph. As a slave, he knew that it could not have happened that everything that his master had was given to his care. He was given to his care. He was not an employee, by the way. An employee today and a slave are two different things at that time. Employee slaves, that's why Putipar bought him, are like possessions. You have no value at all. So a person who has no value at all in that household was given such power over the household. You might want to notice that the word all in verses 4 to 6, referring to everything that Budifar had, is repeated five times. And here in verse 8, we read of anything, everything, anything. It means that Putifar has given everything to the care of Joseph. And with the words of Joseph here, Joseph was not just well aware that everything was given to his care, but he was also well aware that it was not supposed to be. Not supposed to be. Think about it. If you understand the grace of God, you are not just aware that God has given you all things, but you are also aware that you're not supposed to receive anything from God. He was surely grateful to his master. It's implied in his words, but more so to God who graciously favored him with all this. Joseph was a man who was humbled by all the good things that God was shown, has shown him. His gratefulness kept him from coveting that which was not given to him. The only one person in that household that was not given to his care was Putifar, his wife. There's a sidebar here that we need to start, stop. A grateful person would never seek to enjoy that which is not given to him. If you are a grateful person and you know exactly that God has given you so much to the point that you are filled and not empty within, you would not covet the things that God did not give you. Because you are grateful. You cannot be grateful and empty at the same time. Or you cannot be grateful and dissatisfied at the same time. You cannot be grateful and felt like you lack a lot of things. When you are grateful, you know exactly, Lord, you have given me more than I ever need. Anyone who would covet is an empty person. And he is far from being truly grateful. Joseph's gratitude. Not only to his master, but more so to God, has given him the strength to say no to sin. Then we realize that this is true in all of Scripture. Our, one of our favorite verses 
In 2 Corinthians 5.14-15, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, compels us. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God appeared to all men, training us to say no to ungodliness and say yes to holy, upright, and good lives. Because we are grateful to God. Romans 12.1-2 says, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gave a parable telling about a slave who is expected to forgive his fellow slave because he has received so much forgiveness from his master. The depth of our gratefulness to God, to what he has done for us in the cross of Calvary, is the strength of our resistance to sin. It is no wonder that we are supposed to grow deeper into the gospel. That we live lives with grateful hearts. And this is not just for things that we have to say no, but this is also for things that we have to say yes to God. Nehemiah puts it well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How grateful are we to the word of God in the cross of Calvary so that before we value our lives so much, now we value God. In fact, our lives is nothing in comparison to what God has done for us in the cross of Calvary. And we want to offer our lives as a living sacrifice because we are grateful. However, in the story, the ultimate explanation to the preservation of Joseph is the presence of God. Joseph, like Sarah and Rebecca, was handsome in form and appearance. And because of this, if you notice already in the book of Genesis, because of this, all three of them would have been taken by someone. Abimelech wanted to take Sarah because she was beautiful. Another Abimelech in the time of Isaac wanted to take Rebekah because she was beautiful. And now the wife of, the, of Putiphar wanted to take Joseph because he was handsome. Yeah, mas magandang sakto lang. Parang coke lang. But unlike Sarah and Rebecca, who were rescued by God through intervention, God rescued Joseph through his strong moral resolve, which is founded in his gratitude to God. If you look at it vertically, I mean towards God, and even to Putifar, if you look at it horizontally. So yes, our decisions are crucial, but God, without God with us, Without God with us, we cannot expect ourselves to have a strong moral resolve to overcome our temptations. We cannot expect ourselves to have a strong moral resolve. Baga, kalakasan na kailangan natin upang matanggihan natin yung mga temptations na nakapalibot sa atin. In fact, the presence of God would 
strengthen our gratitude to Him in order that we can say no to the temptations around us. That's very important. And in the story here in the book of Genesis, this is crucial. This temptation is crucial if God would use Joseph in providing deliverance to Israel. He has to be kept from sinning. Not perfectly, but think about it. If he failed here, do you think, if he failed here, do you think something good would happen to him? Maybe he would really be killed. And that is, by the way, a picture that the presence of God in the Lord Jesus Christ kept him from sinning because he was to deliver those whom God has chosen. God's presence with us is our only hope for preservation. Don't you think about it? It's the only hope for our preservation. Our theology says that the presence of the Holy Spirit in us is the only reason that we can be confident that we will be preserved in the faith and persevere till the end. Because if not of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, none of us can finish this race. None of us. At some point, we would give up. At some point, we will crush in a way that is irredeemable. But the presence of God in us through His Holy Spirit assures us that we will finish this to the end. So do we understand the explanation of our faith preservation or that the explanation of our faith preservation is the presence of God? Is that God has been with us? Have we cultivated our gratefulness to God that He is with us? And have we cultivated our intimacy with God? If the presence of God is that important, have we cultivated our intimacy with God? Is this the first thing in the morning? Is that the one thing that we could not afford not to enjoy? Because we know that the work is dependent on that. That the way we father our children is dependent on that. That the way we love our wives as Christ loved the church is dependent on that. That the way we submit to our imperfect husbands is dependent on that. That the way we submit to our imperfect parents is dependent on that. That the way we react to things is dependent on that. That the presence of God is that valuable. We know that we enjoy that as we grow deeper into His love, as we grow deeper into our understanding of the gospel. Dane Orkland said, Our growth is founded on the love of God, and not the love of God is founded on our growth. We need to dig deep into that and experience His fullness. Certainly, the presence of God turns all things as instrument for the fulfillment of the plan of God. 
Now, what I will do here is just to read these verses. It's a long passage and explain along the way to save time. Just catch up. Verse 13. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he is brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us, to mock us, to make sport of us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. So the, the people believed his, her words. Verse 16. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the story saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, this is your mistake. I told you not to buy that slave. Came in to, to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master, look, this is really important, heard the words. They took her, or they, they took her by her words. They believed in her words. That his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. The word anger there is not your ordinary anger. It's rage. He was outrageous. Verse 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. What was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it successful. The words of the world fall short when it says you cannot put a good man down. The Bible says you cannot put God's man down. You cannot put God's man down. You can you do everything to destroy him. But you cannot destroy his testimony. You cannot destroy him totally. You cannot discourage him in such a way that he would give up on life. He would always have hope. You cannot put God's man down. How easy would it have been for Joseph to point his finger on God and question, why did God allow this? Why did God even allow the opportune time when I was caught by this wife of Putifar. Why did you even put me there? And you know, Lord, that I did not touch her. Why am I in prison? You could have prevented this from happening. And, and beside her, my master knew her wife. She loves to 
wears sexy dress when there's a lot of men. Between the two of us, who has the character? And why are they taking the words of the woman? And, and these people is working with me. They call me master too. And they knew my integrity. And sometimes they even told me how this wife is so immoral. But why didn't, why did they believe that word now and not me? Why, Lord? This is hard to understand, right? When, when we are in a difficult situation and all you did is to obey God, it's hard to make sense of it. In fact, we could not understand this unless we see things from the big picture. That's why some people say, why did God allow suffering? It's hard to understand until you see the greater picture. Only then can things make sense. It only makes sense that Joseph has to be sold by his brothers when we know that Joseph had to be in Egypt. It only makes sense that Joseph in the, ended in prison when we know that he, was, he is supposed to be there so that there will be connection between Joseph and Pharaoh through the cupbearer. It was through all of this that Joseph eventually became the second in command in Egypt. In this picture, Joseph had, and you hear me that one, Joseph had to be in prison. In God's big picture, there are things that had to happen in your life. In God's big picture, the things that you complain and grumble before God, maybe, just maybe, it is crucial for God's fulfillment of His plan in your life. And it is the presence of God here that made sure that what needs to happen should happen, God's divine providence, we already talked about it, that even those speck of dust that we see when a light ray hits it, Every single one of them, as Charles Spurgeon said, God controls them. The presence of God made sure that what needs to happen should happen so that the greater picture of God's plan for the greater good of Israel in the whole world would be saved. John Frame said that this trilogy, God's presence, God's authority, God's control, always go together. The presence of God here, the authority of God, and the control of God are working together so that Israel will not be extinct because of the coming famine. God was surely in control. First, I want to show that God was in control. First, Joseph should have been sentenced to death for two reasons. The offense charged at him merits death sentence. He should have been sentenced to death. Secondly, the kind of rage that Putifar had towards Joseph. This is, he had the power to do this and he was so angry. But Surprisingly, he just put Joseph in prison. You see the hand of God there. He just put Joseph. Moses used the word 
rage, outrageous, not ordinary anger to make you understand that this man was kindled. He was controlled by his anger. But he just put him in prison. Second, prison, interestingly, has the same word with the word pit in Genesis 37, 24, where Joseph was thrown by his brother. He was in the pit. Same word. Now, if he was rescued in the pit in Genesis 37, we are already being told here that the pit that Joseph had or was at this time, prison, that he would once again be rescued just as God rescued him from the pit. For there is no pit or pit too deep that God could not reach. And you and I can testify to that. You thought this is the biggest problem I would ever thanks be to God. And I could never imagine myself going through another problem like that only to find out that you have greater problem awaits you. But God brings you out again. The presence, sorry, just as the selling of Joseph brought him to Egypt, the injustice done to him brought him to prison. But also it was through this, look at that, through this that Joseph experienced such deliverances from God that he would not have experienced if he was not in the pit. If he was not in prison, it is safe to say then that the deepest pit only becomes an opportunity to experience the depth of God's grace. The deepest, the deepest pit that we can be, that we will be, would only serve to make us experience the depth, the deepest or the depth of God's grace. The presence of God then, which goes with His authority and control, can turn our deepest feet to be a place where we can deeply appreciate the grace of God. Joseph had to be strengthened and be mature and be complete. Because if he would not be mature, it is hard to keep his pride when he finally sits at the right hand of Pharaoh. And you see the growth of Joseph here. In Genesis 37, he was also brush and proud. But here, you find Joseph being able to say no to Putifar's wife. And you find Joseph in Genesis 39. These are not small things. These are big things that happened in his life. But he was able to keep his silence. And there is no other explanation of how Joseph grew. Joseph grew because the pit that he was in placed became a place where he experienced the grace of God. Isn't this what God did to our deepest hole? 
our sins before Him. That in our deepest hope, that we cannot save ourselves because we are sinners by nature. Our deepest hope because we are, the Bible says, we are dead in sin and we just don't have the capacity to change that predicament. We are in a deepest hole because God, while we are neutral towards our sin before coming to know God, God was not neutral towards our sin. And he was, re- he was outrageous. He was enraged. He was filled with wrath. He was smoking in anger because of our sins. I believe greater than the anger that Putifar had towards Joseph. But God in his greatness of his love did not just put us in prison like Putifar's, like Putifar who put Joseph, at least he was a little bit gracious. He did not put us in prison. He puts his own son to the cross of Calvary to suffer for our own sins. And if we understand that that is our deepest hole, and yet God was still able to bring us out of that hole, and if we are not graceful by that, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, I do not know what in the world or whatever in this world can make us grateful people. God's presence kept Jesus from sinning that he might fulfill the salvation plan of God, be exalted over all things, and bring us out from our deepest pit. So while we do not want to be in the pit or in a pit, nor we could understand why we should be in the pit, we could trust that the Lord's presence with us and His control of all things can use our deepest pit to fulfill his plans and make us experience the depths of his grace. Justice Joseph is displayed as the model of trust by his silence. The very thing that Jacob showed in Genesis 37 verse 11. We could keep our silence from grumbling before God when we do not, because we trust Him. And because in times that we do not understand why is life hard? Why is life difficult? Why is life harsh towards us? We can always go back to the cross and realize he would never allow the pit to be just a pit. He'll make it into a pool of water so that we go from strength to strength and we can really be in Jerusalem and worship him. Psalm 84. So how important is the presence of God? It is basically everything. It is everything. It is about 
it is not about success it is about the presence of god because everything flows from it everything flows from it so we should not focus on victory itself i want to press on that we are living in a very pragmatic world where we can be taught that there is nothing more valuable than success should not focus on that itself because the presence of God will not only turn things towards the fulfillment of his great plan, but it is also a source of all good things that we need, especially when we are at the deepest pit of life. So I hope that we would not undermine, but begin to be grateful and begin to cultivate it. Your intimacy with God. Begin to cultivate it. And begin to understand that whatever situation you are, the most important thing is you still have God. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed day. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that although we do not deserve anything from you, you gave us everything. In the person of His Son Jesus Christ, make us grateful people, people who have a deep gratitude towards you, people who even lay down our lives to you. We bless you and we honor you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.